Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once more, a very warm welcome to this evening's edition of The Journey to Hajj with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. A journey that Sheikh has been doing for many weeks and the journey in which I'm taking the message that it is, it must be an holistic journey. Otherwise, the end result is going to be a catastrophe for oh, us. Yes. That's the lesson I'm taking out. Sheikh, assalamu alaikum to you. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shukran once more for gracing us with your presence. It's a pleasure having you here, Sheikh. Sheikh, I know normally with the journey to Hajj, you normally give us a, um, you know, an update on what we've covered up until now. Don't if you want to do that this evening. ما شاء الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعد رب شرح لي صدري ويسل لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Sheikh, as I said, pleasure having you once more. Uh, but for those, perhaps there might have been people who've missed out one or two of the episodes. Uh, we've had a lot of compliments on the program. one. We do know that you host a Hajj class. I will intermittently be sharing that contact number for people who wants to attend that class. Welcome. But once more, just a refresher for us on where the, the ground we've covered here. Alhamdulillah, Jamil, we, we, we started with this program looking at the importance of Hajj, where it came from, how it developed. And, and we then uh, went into saying we need to be able to understand Hajj in context. And in context, we said it is one of the pillars of Islam. And being a pillar, being a pillar of Islam, we recognize that being the last pillar, it's of necessity that we need to see it in context with the other pillars. And thus, we went to the first pillar, the second pillar, the third pillar, the fourth pillar. And now we've completed the fifth pillar in concept. And what we did in last week's lesson is to be able to look at how we actually see the whole picture together, right? Seeing this whole picture, what is in it, how do we see the one place with the other and the role that Allah has structured these five pillars to be able to be the five pillars of Islam. And thus, if we can actually see that picture that makes it easy for us to understand what then needs to happen in the context of Hajj as itself, as Hajj, we need to look at the processes and what it consists of and what is in that. May Allah grant khair and barakah for what we have shared with our people and we hope that everybody has learned and benefited from that side. And we hope to take the lesson further, inshallah, Jamil, to be able to go to what we call the Hajj of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I very much feel and strongly feel about the fact that before we actually deal with the fiqh of Hajj, the issues that has to deal with the, the process of what we must do and what we must not do, it's imperative to understand that if the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has performed the hajj, we also need to understand how and what has he done on that hajj. And that big picture grounds us the ability to be able to put things in perspective for ourselves and application. It's very nice to see what the Nabi has done and how it has actually developed with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I hope we probably have to cover that as um, we try to see whether we covered it in in, in two or three sessions. I do not know exactly how far, Inshallah. but let's hope that Allah grants us to be able to cover that. But it's imperative, I feel, that the, our, our community must be able to develop with that. And therefrom, we then go after that, see what the Nabi has done. Now, the Jamil, as to the reason why, why do you think we are doing the Hajj of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? 
And I think it's such an important question to be able to ask this question because many people ask, now why do you do the Hajj of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? First and foremost, I need to say to us that remember, whatever you and I need to do as a command from Allah, we cannot, none of us ever can implement this from our own means and ways. We must follow the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For if anybody decides he wants to perform salah, the Nabi makes a clear statement and he says, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. See that you perform the salah exactly as I perform that salah. Which means, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is allowing us to be able to understand. For you and me to be a Muslim, it's highly impossible. The height of impossibility to be a Muslim, except if we recognize the status of our Nabi in our life, and he is our role model, he is the blueprint, he is the one who showed us how things had to be done, and if we have to do it like he did it, then Allah might accept our ibadah. Amen, amen. But the possibility is exactly the opposite. If I do it like I want to do it, that nobody tells me, I know what to do and I think I know, then unfortunately, if it's not, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam makes a very strong statement. He says, خُذُوا عَنِّي مَنَاسِكَكُمْ لَا أَدْرِي لَعَلِّي لَا أَحُجُّ بَعْدَ عَامِي هَذَا He says, take from me your pattern of hajj. Now I must probably just want to take heed, send this message of taking heed for everybody out there who wish to perform hajj. Our Nabi, your Nabi, my Nabi, spoke to us and he puts his finger right into our face. He says, you better see that you take from me your pattern of hajj. Subhanak. Take from me your pattern of hajj. Which means, no matter how salih the person is, no matter how great the scholars is of knowledge, no matter their background, their status, their position, no matter the wealth a position have, we do not follow anybody as the means of hajj. We follow the hajj of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, take from me your pattern of hajj. La adri, I do not know. La ali, most probably. La I might not perform another hajj after this. Now that statement, the Nabi has repeated it almost thousands of times. So many Sahaba relates this hadith to us from various angles to be able to say this message of the Nabi saying, Take from me your pattern of hajj. La adri. I do not know. La ali, most probably. I might not perform another hajj after this. Mm. As if the Nabi says, this is the first hajj that I was going to perform, and this is going to be my last hajj. And especially if it's the only hajj that I'm going to perform, I want you to take heed when you perform your hajj one day, that you see you do your hajj, if you want to have a hajj makboon and mabroor, which is the objective of the, your reason for going for hajj, to see that your hajj becomes makboon and mabroor, then the, only the hajj of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and only his hajj, is the means for Allah. Whoever performs hajj like him, we can take from them. Allah. But if we do hajj and do it the way we want to do it, may Allah protect then unfortunately we can harm ourselves in the processes. And this is a sad thing. Now, we must remember this is not you and me speaking here. This is not great scholars speaking here. This is not great thinkers speaking here. This is not people who's done the research in universities with labs and this. But this is directly from Allah guiding our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For what reason? So that you and I can be Muslim. So that you and I can be granted success in whatever we do. And thus, our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spent his time, his effort, his commitment, so that your parents and mine, you and me and our offspring, we can be Muslim.
And we can live as Muslims and we whatever we do and even if it's the Hajj that we do it to the best of our ability following following our Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Jamil, that's been giving to yes. us the, the reason. Yeah. Could I say something? As a, as a late person, La, we all know mm. that the revelation from Allah was only to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So for me, it makes clear, crystal clear sense that he should be my exam- example. Allahu Akbar. And that's, that's what we have to adopt. MashaAllah. Jamil, you're saying it now. I was going to tell you, tell us certain things here. But you just brought up that as that flows into what I need to say. As what is the historical background of the Hajj of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Now, what do I mean the historical background? How did it happen that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam performed one Hajj and that Hajj only and when and all that, right? Tajamil, Hajj has been a common reality in the side, the, in, in the, amongst humanity for ages. Hajj is a known reality. Through the ages, people have gone for Hajj. And all of them have performed Hajj in Mecca. And all of them has come to Mecca, to the Kaaba, to the Baytullah. And all of them has actually performed the Hajj as should be done. But as time went on, now if I say all of them, I speak from the time of Nabi Adam salam, the very first creation of humanity, of the human race, when Allah created him. From the very first Nabi Adam, his offspring, Nabi, the, the Anbiya after Nabi Adam, right up, and there has been a total of 124,000 Anbiya, which Allah has sent to the earth, according to the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when the Nabi says on, said on, on Hajj, that the amount of people that is on Hajj with me this day, on Hajj, he said, so many Anbiya Allah has revealed to the earth, Allah. at various places, but Allah shares with us only 25 in the Holy Quran. <laughs> It is the words of our Nabi. He said to us that there has been a total of 124,000. Or the scholar says that there are plus, plus, minus. The Nabi didn't mention the total as exactly, but the Sahaba, that is the approximate amount of people that was on Hajj with the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Nabi says that that amount of people is the amount of Anbiya that Allah has revealed. Our guest here with us, Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams, and we continue with us with the program Journey to Hajj. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Serial. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the Voice of the Cape. The essence of understanding that our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as we know now, has performed only one hajj. Has performed only one hajj. And that hajj is called hajjatul wada, the hajj of farewell, right? Or the farewell hajj. And the reason why it's called like that, because not long thereafter, three months thereafter, it was the demise of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, and, and, and the things as it unfolded thereafter, as if Allah wanted to show us, like we said in the, the when we dealt with the five pillars, that Allah have chosen this to be the last pillar. Allah has also allowed it to be the last pillar in the life of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that had to be established, and it happened very much on the last. And you remember, if you think back, that I try to emphasize to us, it is something that Allah wants us to be able to understand that there's long term processes for us. In, when we think of our, our kalima shahada, it's short term. We live with it minute by minute, day by day. 
second by second we live with the Kalima Shahada, which means right of our life. The Salah five times a day, short term as well. Our Zakah runs over a period of a year, somewhat medium term. Our fasting in the month of Ramadan, once a year, somewhat medium term. I'm speaking about the far, the Faraid. And then you think of Hajj, long term. We've heard the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Al-Hajju Marra. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said to us, that Hajj must be performed once only. It should be, we must strive to allow it to be performed once only, or at least once. He says, if you do it more, and if you can, and if it happens, Allah grants you to do it more, then that is all additional to your advantage. But once that we need to strive for to be able to see that Allah grants us that ability to perform that hajj. May Allah grant that to all of us, inshallah. And may we have that objective. We see from that side that the hajj has been performed once by the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we see, saw what has happened prior, as I said, in looking at the processes prior to the hajj, or the historical processes that happens, we find that hajj has been a common thing and a normal thing of societies before. At, until our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa came on the scene and he met up at the time when he was staying in Makkah and when he went off to Medina, that people came from everywhere still to perform the Hajj. Hajj was carrying on. So Hajj does not belong to the Muslim Ummah. It belonged to those people who all follow the tariqah of the Anbiya, which Allah has sent them the message of. Right. So it's been a common act of mankind to perform this Hajj over and over for years, right? And the objective of the Hajj, as we've said, is that link with Allah, an intimacy with Allah, that recognition that we weren't placed here to live this dunya. The objective is bringing us to realization that we make the best of this world in having to be the representative of Allah in this dunya, establishing the law of Allah. Mm-hmm. But the departure of this earth is a necessity to go back to Allah, to go and live with Allah in Allah's abode, uh, where Allah wants us. May Allah grant us khair and barakah, and that, that be that about our dear Allah's mercy upon us, forgiveness of, of, of our sins, and grant us to be of those people who be entered into Allah's Jannah. Allahumma Amin. And so we see that Jamil, people has been performing Hajj when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was a young man still in Medina, in Bakka. And when the Nabi sallallahu became a Nabi, people has been performing Hajj. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam went under the Hijrah, people still came performing the Hajj. In actual fact, Historically, we find that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa grandfather, which was Shaybatul Hamd, Abdul Muttalib, he, in actual fact, has been a young boy in Medina, grew up in, uh, grew up as eight, nine years old, and then his, the uncle of, the, his uncle Muttalib came to fetch him, brought him from Medina to Makkah because he was the son of Hashim. Hashim got married to a lady in Medina, and as he went off to, to, to uh, Gaza, in Palestine, he passed on in Gaza, which oh, he, he wanted to come back, but his, the wife that he got married to, she then after some time gave birth to this child, and this child grew up, and the uncle of this child, the brother of Hashim, went to Medina to meet up with this, brother, to meet up with this child and brought him to Makkah, right? and, and said to the people there that he belongs to a very noble family. Now the norm is, when you come with a youngster, a young child into Makkah, and this child moves around wherever you move around, then must be a slave of yours. No. And this is how Shaybal Tulhamd, which is the name of the, un- the uh, grandfather of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the people identify him moving around as a young boy with Muttalib because he didn't know anybody in Makkah. So everybody came to name him 
Abdul Muttalib, which means the slave of Muttalib. Muttalib. Right? <laughs> Subhanak <laughs> la hawla wa la But if we know the, unk- the, the grandfather of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by that name today, because Islam has accepted that name to be a common name for the fact that you've been. But Allah has given this person so much insight, so much coverage, so much protection. We find that when he came into Makkah, grew up in Makkah, and he had to take a responsibility in Makkah when he became a young man. Now they gave the young princes the responsibilities as they were coming up to becoming the leaders of the future. And there was a job given to, 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 to Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib had to take the responsibility of feeding the Hujaj water. Allah. Which means his link to the ibadah of Allah, which Allah has made a fart on humanity ever since Nabi Adam, has then for him taken that load. Now, the reason why it was given to him, because he was not a, a, a very rich cousin amongst the cousins of princes, if I may put it that way. And being not rich because he didn't have a father. His father passed away in Gaza, as we said. It is not an easy thing to look after the water of the Hujaj. Can you imagine in those days? Ya If a person has ever been for Hajj or you've known people that is there, they will tell you certain qualities is very important qualities in Makkah, the qualities of understanding what heat is there. The effect of heat in that place is excessive. So uh, this responsibility of feeding water to the Hujaj was given to Abdul Muttalib. As Allah wanted it to be, he struggled and the very qissa of the well of Zamzam being reopened because in the history of humanity, when the people of Quraysh has been in charge of Makkah, at a time they, 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 uh, the Quraysh was driven out of Makkah and another tribe came in. When the other tribe came in, or when they wanted to come in, they wanted to do everything to protect that the people who's going to come in doesn't know the sacredness of Haram of Makkah and the issues around it. So they protected it and covered certain things. One of the things that they covered up is the well of Zamzam. And then for a period of over 300 years, the well of Zamzam was closed. Only until again they came back. And... Allah allowed it to happen with the grandfather of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abdul Muttalib as being the minister of water affairs, going every day out to see that there's water in the Haram of Makkah. Allah allowed drought to be in Makkah, in the area of Makkah. There was drought. And they had to find wells around to be able to find water, and they could not find water. And Allah granted Abdul Muttalib one day whilst he was sleeping next to the Kaaba, not far from the Kaaba in midday, um, he heard a voice in his midday sleep, a voice speaking to him. And he looked around. Uh, he, he woke from this and he heard, and he looked around and he could hear the, the echo of those. Uh, but he saw nobody around him. It's midday, mm. it's hot. This thing said, said a word to him. A single word, repeated it over to him, so it echoed in his ears. But he didn't know what it meant. Because it was a language of what we say, the Otisata. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Serial. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the Voice of the Cape. When Abdul Muttalib that evening was sitting at the, the, the uh, fire around the, at the Kaaba with the, with the leaders, um, he, he asked them, what does this word mean? And so they heard him 
and they said to him, when he said what the words was, they said to him, one of them said to him, that word is of the old Arab, Arab language, we, we don't use it now. Right? And they say to him, that word is, indicates direction. Wow. Direction. Mm. And, and, and he thought, okay, direction. Not, not much to me. But the word stayed yes. with him. Uh, well, it so happened that the very next day, the same thing happened, but this time a different word was given to him. And so he, he was amazed. What does this mean? And then the evening he went to the, to the fire, when they sat at the fire, he, he asked the elders what they knew of that word. And he, uh, uh, they again gave him an answer. At that time they, showed him, they said to him, it is a certain, the first one was direction, the second word was, was for him, to a certain mountainous path. And he, and he couldn't make out what, what it was. But now remember that, as I said, that year, it, it, was, the, it was extreme uh, heat, and there was drought in the Arabian Peninsula, and there was very little water. And his responsibility is to see the water for the people of Makkah, but not only, but more so for the people coming for Hajj. So where must he find water? It's his greatest concern. It takes over his mind in everything. So the unfortunate situation is, that he, he didn't have water and it made the, his life uncomfortable in the sense that his cousins were all, all using this against him. And, and, and it made me the responsibility on him so much more. So the Jamil win, Allah so granted that the third day he went through the same process. And when he went through the same place the next day, when, when he heard the voice, the voice gave to him almost as if the, the voice, the, this person filled the puzzle for him. And he... He then questioned this in his dream. And this voice then gave him the, all three of the processes together. And he then, then took that as the puzzle. And he then went and he spoke to the elders. And they listened to him when they listened to him. They couldn't put everything together for him. But this played in his mind. And to him it felt very much somebody is guiding him to mm -hmm. water. Somebody is guiding him to water. He every day tried to be able to find it, and this day he said to himself, no, I'm going to go now. Let's say this person said to me, um, direction. Let's go and identify where the direction is. And he went to the Kaaba, and stand at the Kaaba and looked in, in, into the direction that he felt that it, it must be. So he looked in the far distance of where the mountains is, and he thought he was going to see white stone amongst the mountains there, so he's going to look in that direction. And also where there is going to meet up with blood and ants and things like that. Distance, and it so happened that Jamil he decides that he's going to take the first step towards that, that direction. And as he walks, he slips, <laughs> he bumps his foot against mm -hmm. something, and, and he stumbles over. And as he stumbles, he sees the puzzle comes together in front of my eyes. I see the place where we, we slaughter the animals, and the blood is still laying there. I see some ants moving around, and I see a piece of white stone sticking out here. So, so everything of the puzzle is in front of me. Subhanak, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. What he then does, now, the historical process of the people of Makkah and the security of Makkah is of such a nature, they do not take any stone from Makkah, outside of Makkah. This is haram, this is sacred. The people of Makkah has applied that law. It's a reserve. The word haram means a reserved area. You don't take anything from there, right? You don't harm anything. You don't make holes, you know, unless for necessities, but... Other than necessities, no. And nothing must be taken out of the place. It's got to be left as you found it. As you found it. In actual fact, that law still stands, Sajamil. But now, 
that law law has now developed to an extent where people now do what they're doing in, mm. in Makkah, not, not that, but that law by Allah still stands in the fact that the secrecy of Makkah is sacred. We no, did not should not take it out, and it should be left in Makkah. May Allah tell us. We we can do this in in Hajj classes. Yeah, okay. We need to be able to understand the secrecy. Allah Akbar. And we see how the mountains is being used. Mm. <laughs> Nevertheless, let's not go there, Tajamil. <laughs> Tajamil, so what happens in that historical process there? When he sees this and he realizes what's happening, he feels he's got everything of the puzzle in front of him here. He sees everything. And he feels he wants to make a hole. But he realizes that if I do that, I make a hole here, then the, my very people is going to uh, use it against me. So, subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. He waits till it's night, and everybody goes and sits at the fire with him and, until late evening, and they go away home, and he also moves off home, only to fetch whatever is the tools he needs to be able to to come, back. to come back, and he comes back, and right next to the Kaaba, he goes there, where he sees all these things, and he goes and starts to open up, only to find this is not a stone coming out of, protruding out of the ground, it's a massive bolster. And he cannot go in, onto it, he's got to go to the side of it. And Makkah being, the ground of Makkah being what we call um, desert, but a rocky desert. You can imagine what happens to Abdul Muttalib. He finds himself, the day comes up, the sun comes up the next morning, and the, the leaders of Quraysh is coming to the Kaaba to come and sit down. And Ya Allah, he's caught in the middle of the act. And everybody keeps the matter against him for the fact that he now have violated the processes. He's now desecrated the area. This is a major sin. How dare you do this? And everybody keeps it against him. Mm. right? But now he cannot tell them that this is my puzzle that I have in front of me here. But he's not. And and secondly, there's no proof. He's working on hope. And they found that they could not charge him from themselves. They're going to go and they went to seek for help outside out of Makkah. They took him with his children, his children were still young, he had three sons at that day and time. He tie, they were tied together. All of them were on camels and he was walking behind them with a rope tied in the desert. They're gonna walk, they're gonna go. And they were going to a place in, in Okaz where they had a, a, a witch there. And this witch is gonna tell them what to do, how to handle him. And as they walked, it so happened that when they went in the process of came to midday and they had to stop and Abdul Muttalib had to sleep in the midday in the middle of the sun with his Allah three sons Allah. in the middle of the desert but it so happened that, uh, that when they woke up everybody else they found Abdul Muttalib has left there <laughs> as if he loosened himself and ran away they happened to find him running over a hill of sand and when they saw him on the other side of the hill they saw him digging with his hands. They got to him and they said to him, Abdul Muttalib, what are you busy with? He told them of his dream he had. He says, well, you were sleeping, I was sleeping as well. And that very, the very voice I heard in Makkah, that voice told me that there is water on the other side of the hill. And subhanak, as everybody is standing and watching and see what happens, we see his hands become wet, which means he's touched. Water. Moist ground, and he dug and dug and dug, and they saw the water coming out there, at an area where there's never ever been water before, in and the desert, in the middle of the desert. Yeah. So wow, 
what a strange matter is happening. Abdul Muttalib found water, and then they realized, if you could find water at a moment when nobody ever has found water before, if you claim this to be true, and we've seen it happen here to you, and that same thing, then most probably that what you said is, is, is the same. So let's take you back to Makkah. Then they took him back to Makkah. They then gave him freedom, got back to Makkah, and, and started to... to, to, to to uh, uh, open up the, uh, to see that they open up this hole to see whether he can get to water as he claimed it to be. And they said to him, if you do not find, we will still fi- take you to, 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 for judgment because judgment must then pass on mm. you. But if you do find, we will want to share in what you find. Mm. He said to them, sorry. No, 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 no. You only took me for judgment because what I said to you. This was given to me. This wasn't given to you. You've given me the first responsibility to be Minister of Waterworks. I've taken the responsibility. Secondly, this came to me as an answer, not to you. Thirdly, you've shown me nothing of support up till this moment. The only thing you were very happy at me taking the full load. And now that I'm going to get it, now you just want to take it under no circumstances that belong to me and to me only. I want it's to me and to my children, my offspring only. So what happened to Abdul Muttalib? He came back. At that stage, he had three sons. He dug and dug into the ground and he saw this big bolster. He had to go right around the bolster. And he managed to see that they came to when they moved the I had to move this bolster and they moved it away. Underneath the bolster there was palm trees. Like cut into half that they normally use for the roofs of the people's homes. Mm. Like that. Underneath that and this bolster was on top of it. A massive bolster. A boulder. A, bo- a, a boulder, boulder. A, a boulder. I'm sorry, okay. a boulder. Okay. A boulder. A massive a boulder. Now. So what happened? They they moved it away, and they start to move the, the, these uh, uh, the palm uh, trees away that that it was laying, and then they found underneath it a space where there was things that was inside the Kaaba prior that three hundred years before. Many of those things was being gold processes. It was placed in the ground. Things that was inside the Kaaba prior. They, those people at that time when they left Makkah feared it and they covered the wall of Zamdam and they covered the things inside the Kaaba and he found those things. And then he found, as he took those things away, that the well of Zamzam was in there. And thereby Allah allowed the well of Zamzam to come back to humanity and to be used for the benefit of man. But then he made a dua. The moment he saw that these things were opening up and opening up and there was the results, he turned to Allah and he says, Oh Allah, I beg you, the load is heavy for me. I only have three sons. I beg you, Oh Allah, grant me ten sons at least. Allah Akbar. He asked Allah for ten mm. sons. If you give me ten sons, Oh Allah, I will offer one of them for your cause. And Allah so grants the dua of Abdul Muttalib. Allah then gave him to be able to have a total of 13 sons. Allah, Allah. And it so happened the youngest of his sons' name is Abdullah. Later on in history, as the children grew up, he's now found the well of Zamzam. The well of Zamzam feeds now the, feeds now the, 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 the Arabs around and feeds the people for Umrah and for Hajj. And they have the well of the water of Zamzam, the best of water that they've ever, even been on earth. Ever flowing. Subhanak flowing. Ever since oh. that time until, it will kick on until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Ya Rabbi, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. From, from that aspect, the Jamil, his youngest son grows up. He becomes a very 
beautiful son, a lovable boy. Everybody falls in love with him from his young age. The old ladies fell in love with him. <laughs> everybody that. just, but everybody loved him severely. They loved him extensively. It so happened when this boy got to the age of 13, 14 years old, the revelation came down to Abdul Muttalib. Remember your dua that you made. Remember your call. And he saw this. And, and like what has happened in the dream for him, there was those time for Zamzam. This thing came to him to remind him three days after one another. And then he decided that he was actually going to kill one of his sons. He was going to slaughter one of his sons for the sake of Allah. Uh, he decided that he was going to carry out whatever must be done. But he doesn't know which, first and foremost, he's got many sons. And what is the act that he must do to be able to offer that for the sake of Allah? So it so happens that Abdul Muttalib then goes to the Kaaba. He goes to the Kaaba. Now Abdul Muttalib, as the scholar says to us, has been of the Hanif. Hanif means the Hunafa. Those people who did not have, who live in the period with, with the idols around, but his belief was in Allah. Mm. We found this at the time of the birth of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He took the baby to the Kaaba. We saw his relationship in, with the Kaaba is so much, so intimate, and that at that stage when he had this dream, he went to the Kaaba and he spoke and he spoke to the Ya Rabb al-Kaaba. He addresses Allah, Ya Rabb, oh the Lord of this Kaaba. At the time, the year when the Nabi Sallallahu was born, we all know about the story of Ashab al-Fil. When Abraha came in and spoke to him, and he said to Abraha, um, that those, those uh, camels that you've taken, that belongs to me. I'm in charge of those camels. That Kaaba has a Lord. I had to take charge of my, because I, you say you come here for, for, for the Kaaba, and you say, uh, you just take my camels, I want my camels back. And Abraha got so frustrated because I came here for something bigger than that. Why are you worried about your camels? He says, no, that camels belongs to me. I'm in charge here. And I want my camels back. I came for that reason. And when it comes to that, that house that you want to attack, you go and attack it. That has a Lord. We will have to give away. That Lord would take charge of that place himself. Subhanallah. Wow. Now, we show, showing this who Abdul Muttalib is. He had a trust in Allah. He has been of the Hanif. So at that time, when in actual fact, he went to the Kaaba. He spoke to, he said, Ya Rabb al-Kaaba. He spoke to the Lord of the Kaaba. And he still spoke to Allah. And so Allah Grant him to be able to come to know what he, what he must do. And then they went to, 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 to a, a person, also the, the distant person. They say it's the, the, the witch again in, who said that they must be able to throw arrows and on various things. And when they throw, the, the arrow will touch one of the names of the, that there is. And if it falls on his name, that person's name, then he must be the one slaughtered. So Abdul Muttalib then tried to do that. And as he tried to do that, the first time they threw the arrow, it went onto the name of Abdullah. Allah. When he wanted to take Abdullah because this was happening, the elders around him said, no, 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 even any one of your sons, but not Abdullah. Because remember this, this love for Abdullah mm. has been there, this massive sense of love that they had for this young boy. They went on and then they offered the process to do it a second time. And then the name of Abdullah came up. Allahu Akbar. A second time. A second time. Again, the elders went on and said, no, 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 no. And he just wanted to execute, wanted to be obedient. We must do that. When, for that matter, the elders said to him, we will only allow it to happen after the third time. He accepted. And then they threw the arrow. When they threw the arrow again the third time, strange to them, they found it landed again on the name of Abdullah.
So now they had to execute. But again, the elders jumped in and they went on. They said, we went to the witch to be able to give us answers. And she said that we must do this. And this is what happened. Let's go to her and find out from her what can we do. And she said, then the only way you can come away from that is every time you throw a spear from here onwards now, right? And it lands on the name of Allah, then you take 10 camels one side. And then she says, until you come to a moment where either it doesn't stop, but it only comes to the name of Abdullah, or if, the na- if, if it goes to another person's name, not to the name of Abdullah, then you offer all those animals that must be slaughtered on the name of Abdullah. So they accepted it and they went to Makkah and they did this. And they threw the, cam- the, the spears for the first time, 10 camels. Second time, 10 camels, Abdullah's name again. The 10th time, the name of Abdullah, another 10 camels. Now, a camel to Jamil is an expensive, our Rolls Royce today is nothing compared to a camel in that day. It is, subhanak ya rabbi, I want to repeat, a Rolls Royce today is nothing. So here they're going to offer, and to Jamil, the eldest then said to them, it must be percentage-wise, X amount of them must be young camels, X among them must be the male camels, which carries the, the, the seed, and X among them must be female camels. So then the Jamil, they said, let's do it once more. And they did it once more. And subhanak, it went into another name. Allah Akbar. Yeah. La hawla the 11th time now. That's the 11th time. The 11th time they threw, which means 100 camels. Ever since that day, the Jamil, in the history of Islam, that is what is the price of blood money. If you kill somebody in Islam unintentionally and you must pay blood money, that is the price. A hundred camels must be slaughtered. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Serial. My radio station, your radio station. Our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Blood money is so expensive and Allah has meant it to be as such, so that it can be a means that man do not go to kill and harm just anybody. So that, remember, if your brother has killed somebody unintentionally, you are a brother of his, so you need to be part of the people paying the blood money. <laughs> Which means you're going the, 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 to, the, the whole tribe is going to be poor. When you kill one person. And it's still... Uh, uh, it's still the law of Allah. Today. It's a law, the law of Allah still up till today. Allah. But Tajamil, what would have happened? Would we have had a world where people go around, youngsters go around, um, sleeping around as they want to? Would they have been so indecent, disrespectful? Would drugs be a common thing that just live? Would there be people that just lazy, doesn't want to work and doesn't want to do this, that and the other? It would have been a life of respect, of dignity. Why? Because... Knowing that you got to be, we need to preserve the family of such a nature and look after all of them, that none of them ever does any harm to kill or harm somebody else, because which means we're going to pay the blood money. And we're going to preserve the character and the mannerism of our brothers and sisters and of our children and of the family and the tribe's children in a protection that they come forth with the best of character, best of mannerism, the best of humanity within their character and behavior so that they do not harm anybody. And if it happens, unfortunately, then the family takes the responsibility, the whole community takes the responsibility. 
يا رب لا حول ولا قوه الا بالله بس ذس ايشو ذين اوف بلاد مانيتا جميل وين ات هابنز ذات ذا 100 كاملز هاد تو بي سلوتد ذا بيبل ان مكه توك عبد المطلب اون ذي سولدرز they walked around in makkah in the all of makkah around with him and they were all happy and enjoying the fact because at the same time allah tells them granted that all the camels was his meat and feeding for them as a means as, as a big festivity big could have been held a feast for them there was enough food the arab by nature is not a person who slaughters very easily now not not now that has in been the common at that days they uh, the only time that they would slaughter an animal when somebody as a guest comes from afar come and visit them they would slaughter and then they will have meat but imagine years going to be a hundred camels been slaughtered it wasn't enough for the people of makkah nay it was enough for the people of makkah and around makkah all the villages around makkah wherever there was people saying enough for them for food and everybody who came in they had enough to eat and they could take take with them as they wanted to subhanak ya la hawla wala quwwata illa billah the jamil this thing so happened that abdul muttalib um then being the father of 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 the son uh, abdullah few years later before he gets married he travels he meets up with certain things on his travel he meets me up with a lot quite a lot of young ladies who wants to actually have a relationship with him he denies that and he is proud of the fact that the, their family they don't they don't just sleep with women they they marry a person and they take the responsibility and bring you into the tribe mm-hmm. abdullah as a young man gets us offers of so many people on the road young ladies and people out there meets some certain qualities in him they offer they even offered him to be able to sleep with him he then comes home his father marries him off to 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 amina when after the, the marriage to amina he goes on to a next level again la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah when he goes in that man the very same ladies he meets up with him and they say no we've seen certain qualities that those things are not there this one lady says to him my grand my my, my uncle is a person of religious studies of the beliefs before he saw he explained to me what type of person would be you like and i've seen all the signs of what he explained to me in you and that's why i wanted to be the mother of that baby that's going to be born even i will pay you for that la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah but allah tell protected the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his progeny And so what happens is what we do find that uh, Allah Ta'ala granted Abdul Muttalib then to to go onto the journey and when he comes back he goes into Medina where he becomes sick and all takes him away prior to the birth. In actual fact Abdullah did not know his wife was hamil when he left. After Abdullah left Makkah on the journey the second time his wife was excited at waiting for his arrival to come to inform him simply I'm pregnant. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Good luck with that. As the history tells us when they landed in Medina, they he was sick. The people in Medina looked after him and then he, they 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 left a group of them left and some of them stayed behind with Abdullah. The group that left when they they, they said that the caravan is coming in today, obviously she was there. And her father uh, 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 his father was there. They were they all uh, waiting for the caravan to come in to meet up with the family and are coming in and the good news and to share the good news as well Allah. but amongst everybody and all the the people that coming in through the caravan he was not seen oh. now the question was happening why where's abdullah where is he and then the news was spread that unfortunately he got ill he's in medina but there's some of the people who's with with him mm. um when he's better he'll come back but it's it's not a major issue as they would say nothing major nothing to worry about he's just sick 
But inshallah, it's a big it's better. Qaddar Allah, as Allah have decreed, it was meant to be the departure of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa father from this earth. As Allah wanted the Nabi not to have a father, Allah, Allah wanted to father him sallallahu alayhi wa And then, obviously, later on when the second group of people comes back after they left Medina, after Abdullah has passed on and they've buried him in Medina, the, the others comes back to Makkah and they carry the news to say, unfortunately, Abdullah is not. But again, when they heard that he was not coming, or the group is coming from, they rushed off to be able to meet him. Everybody was there except Abdullah. And then the news that Abdullah has passed on and is buried in Medina. What a sad moment. Can we imagine the, the, the life of Amina at that moment, the mother of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his father is taken away prior to his is And here he stands wanting to show him. No, she's not. She's only pregnant. She's only okay. pregnant. That the good news. She wants to give him the good news and make him feel good about the fact. Ya Rabb, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. But also, what does what does it do to his father? What does it do to? The, remember that uh, his whole community. What does it do to them? Mm. They were so much attached to this young man. Not too long ago, about a year or so ago, we offered a hundred camels on his name. We made a festivity about the fact fact that this young man, and whom we love, we didn't want him to be to be to be slaughtered. And look what has happened. Qaddar Allah is Allah decreed. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's father, his grandfather said, if you, if you grant me more, I will offer one of them pure. That same words was the words of Nabi Ibrahim, who says, oh Allah, if you grant me a son, I will offer him for your path. And then Allah allowed him to find the dream of having to slaughter his son. Mm. Very much a replica. The father of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is said that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his personal capacity as he grew up sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was very much like and everybody used to relate him to he's very much like his dad. He's a, and when he was born his one uncle by the name of Allahumma salli ala sinna Abu Lahab his one uncle um was so much attached to the fact that uh, my brother's wife was pregnant and he he was not there and he passed on prior to the to the birth of his child and here he's given birth and when his slave girl this is Abu Lahab's slave girl mm. rushed over to be able to be present and assist Amina in the birth and Amina she assisted Amina in the weaning of the child and assisted him and helped him and protected him and she came back to, to, to her to her, her master and she said to the master the reason why she's been away for long and what she's done and how she he felt so excited about this is my brother's child mm. uh, that, that, that you've done all this good too and you've saved her she has been uh, a mom who has had a little baby prior this is this girl her name is Thuweba and when she said to her master that what has happened, he said to her, for what she did and how she served his family, she's her freedom. Allah. She gets her immediate freedom. Subhanallah. Now, the Jamil, all these aspects of the historical process of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and how we look at the Hajj, remember it's the Hajj that we're speaking mm. of, the, pre, the pre, precursor for the Hajj, if I probably can put that. And how, for that matter, the Hajj then develops continuously after that, still in the life of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, still after the Nabi sallallahu alaihi did the Hijrah, the Hajj carries on until in the ninth year of the Hijrah. In the ninth year of the Hijrah, the Nabi sallallahu received uh, 
wahi from Allah Ta'ala and the Nabi said to, to Sina Abu Bakr that he must go and perform the Hajj remember on the 8th year of the Hijrah it was Fatho Makkah so now Makkah is a free and open land for everybody so the 8th year is the Fatho Makkah the 9th year is the first time the Makkah is a free the Nabi sent Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sent Abu Bakr radiallahu an to lead a group of people from Medina to go and perform the Hajj Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar and That's then, the 90 of the Hijrah. Uh, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent Sina Ali. After the Sina Abu Bakr and the people left, afterwards the Nabi sent Sina Ali to inform Abu Bakr what Allah has revealed to him about what rules must be changed on the Hajj, what new, new developments to happen. That's the 90 of the Hijrah. So new developments took place in the, in the, in, on the Hajj. Now, Makkah now belongs to the Muslim Ummah and con, under control of the Muslims. And so the process of the Muslims can then put things in place. And so subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the Hajj the next year thereafter, the 10th year. And he informs the world that he is going to go for Hajj. Quite some time ahead of time, he informs the people, and they must come perform Hajj with me. And it so happened that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam goes. Now, what happens, I said earlier on, this hadith of where the Nabi says, anni This hadith then is the hadith that we take out of the process of what happened with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on Hajj. But the real issue is, at the time of how we get this hadith, plus the other hadith, about the Hajj, such a pertinent Hajj of the Hajj of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, happens in the time of the great grandchildren of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Some of them come together; they want to perform the Hajj. By then, there was very little of the Sahaba alive, and they went around to the various Sahaba, asking them to be able to join them. They want to perform the Hajj, but they want to do it like the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And as they went to the various Sahaba. Many of them referred them to Jabir ibn, Jabir ibn Abdullah. So go and ask him. He's the best person to do that for you. That and was unanimous. That was almost like yeah, unanimous, yeah. almost an agreement that all of them said to them, go to Jabir ibn Abdullah. He's the best person mm. for you. And so they went to him. When they got to Jabir, Jabir at that time was an old man in the late 80s. Jabir was blind. When they entered the place where he was, he was sitting on, his, on a chair, on, on, on some matter, with his feet uh, fold beneath him. Mm. He had two cloths over him. And th he, he was interviewing different people coming for different reasons until it came the moment of these youngsters who wanted to come to know about mm. the Hajj story who, and they said to him what they came for. And he asked him who they were. When he heard that who they were, he accepted the fact that he could do that. But then the Adhan went. For a, for a walk, and he said to them that I will come back to speak to you. Yeah. Let's go off for the, for, for, to perform the salah, salah and come back, inshallah. Well, my guest here with me, Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams, and like you, I am certainly enthralled on what we've listened here. Um, the historical background on you know the early years of, of, of Islam, and particularly when it comes to the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What a journey, Sheikh. MashaAllah, Allahu Akbar.